0: Welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 67. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins, and um, there's so much to talk about. I made a list, and I'm going to start with the first item. I'm going to briefly mention it because I want to do a podcast with William Paul about it, hopefully. Uh, I'm a little bit late, as usual. I'm always a little bit behind the times, but I think everything's always relevant. Anyway, um, the New Zealand Vegetarian Society had a festival. And I, uh, because I'm so sort of, I've been very, very much, uh, well, I guess stressed out about school and I've just been so introverted at the moment. I haven't really been looking at what's going on. I didn't even know that the festival was happening. So that's my fault. And I actually thought it was going to be outside and it was, I kind of just had this idea that it was this big outdoor thing like in a field or something like that and um so I at the last minute Emmy and and Sam were like well we're going we're going to go hand up pamphlets and I thought well okay um I'll go and I I wrote them a letter and said I want to put my little table up and I sent them a picture and they said there was no room and I just was like how can that be possible and you know that's ridiculous and um and then a whole bunch of really nice people, and I really want to thank everybody. Wrote letters to the festival, uh, a, um, the festival uh, producers, saying, "What are you talking about? That there's no room and la la." Well, I have to do apology. I've already apologized to <laughs> to the organisers. In an email, and I'm doing a public apology. Um, it's actually an indoor event, and it's in the ASB Showgrounds, which I've never been to before. But the ASB Showgrounds is a bunch of buildings. There is an outdoor area, but it's indoors in one building, and everything's very strictly set out. And they have all these walls. I mean, probably people who do all these, like, who are used to doing these kinds of things, will know better. And not only that, I do believe you have to pay, which I didn't think you did. I thought you could just, like, I guess when I hear a festival, I just think of like an outdoor thing. So you have to pay, you have to get permission from the organizers and they have to allocate you a stall space. It doesn't matter how little my table is. There's actual stall space allocated. Well, anyway, I learned a lot. And, um, so anyway, they, they said, look, we can't help, you know, you can't do it. And I didn't, and I was like a week before, less than a week before that I even wrote to them, you know? So I gave them like five days notice and they're like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? So we worked it out. I made a mistake and, um, Next year, I'd already told them I want to do it next year. So we went along, and I just took some pamphlets along. And I want to thank um, Golden Age Vegan Restaurant for allowing me to put my um, pamphlets on the table. And the pamphlets that I put was the uh, "Respecting Animals Means Going Vegan" by the Boston Vegan Association, who are so awesome in in giving those pamphlets out to people for free, or we don't have to pay for them, I should say, they obviously do, and of course the Abolitionist Approach pamphlets from Gary Francian's website, which are available to print out from the website yourself, and they're very printable, and they're not too expensive to print out, and they're very, very concise, so I put those out, and people were taking them, and also at the end of a speech by um, a woman who wrote a book, um, I'm not going to go into any details, but I went to the presentation just to sort of see and listen, and I'm not going to even talk about it, because... I just, just, I've said it all before, but I actually, I thought, well, I have all these pamphlets in my bag. And so I stood I thought, well, if there's anywhere to hand up pamphlets, to people who've just come out of a sort of animal advocacy speech, right? So I just handed them to people. I gave all my pamphlets to those people. So I don't know. I'm not usually used to just like giving away pamphlets to people. Um, I'm used to them coming over to me and then asking for them. So that, I just gave them all to them. The ones I had left in my bag. So anyway, what I really want to say about this, and I'm going to get William to come on. We'll do a podcast next week about it um, just to go into a little more detail. But what I want to say is when I got there, I could not believe the word vegan was everywhere. It was everywhere. There was a whole stall dedicated to a vegan cookbook. Vegan cookbook, it said. Vegan. And it was a local cookbook by our local writer. There was cooking demonstrations that were actually set up in this property and they were vegan cooking demonstrations. Well, I didn't say, um, I looked at the list and a lot of them were, not all of them, this was the vegetarian society. So obviously there's vegetarian stuff there. So I actually expected there to be hardly any vegan stuff there. Of course, the vegan New Zealand vegan society had their table there and Angel Foods, who was a vegan food um, uh, company supplier had their table there, of course. Um, and um, because they sell things that it's hard to get in New Zealand. So if you want, if you want the vegan um, cream, the soy cream, you know, so you can make, um, well, all that baking stuff, um, you can get it from Angel Foods. And also they have like these salami sticks and they have this vegan caviar and they have this awesome vegan pate. You can get vegan pate and things like that from the vegan store. But anyway, Angel Foods specializes in kind of you know, those kinds of things as well. And they have the liquid smoke as well, which I've been looking for everywhere. So they were there. So I knew they were going to be there. I knew the New Zealand Vegan Society was going to be there. And the animal welfare groups were there as well. But what I was so thrilled about was the vegan everywhere else, you know, and even there were two restaurants, oh sorry, two foods. there's There's a vegetarian restaurant chain called Bluebird and they're run by a sort of I guess it's some kind of religion who has a spiritual leader I don't know enough about the religion but there are, there's one and there's two of them in Auckland that I know of and they're vegetarian they're not vegan but their menu that whole day was vegan It said vegan menu there you could only buy vegan food from them that day and they said it and then the other one was the Hare Krishna's who are not vegan uh, their, their restaurant is not vegan but they had an all vegan menu as well just an all vegan menu and it said it all vegan menu and then there was cooking demonstrations from the Hilton Hotel and it was vegan cooking demonstrations and they have a vegan buffet so it was so uplifting I was so happy and I just was like, you can really feel it, you know, when you go to a vegetarian festival and there's vegan, or maybe I'm really naive and everybody's laughing at me because I've never really been to these kinds of things. I'm just starting all this stuff now and I've been so inundated with school that the only thing I've ever really done, I haven't been involved in any major things. And also because I'm so limited because I don't have transport. Um, So this summer is when I'm really going to, I really, really, really want to like, I'm just so glad I'm done with school because now I can just like... I don't have to worry about that. No more exams. I'm done. I'm going to graduate. And I, I don't even care. I just want to get a job. And then I just want to like do. And I would definitely go to more festivals like this because the abolitionist voice needed to be there. It definitely needed to be there. It would have definitely been a really positive environment for us because it wasn't run by a, it was run by the vegans, um, sorry, it was run by the vegetarian society, but they are, they had no agenda where we would have been unwelcome by the looks of it. They were very, you know, kind to me and. They were even nice to me after I was completely, you know, sort of unreasonable with them, um, which I thought was really nice. And they're all volunteers and they, (laughs) I'm actually really embarrassed. But anyway, um, what are you going to do? So it was so positive. So there's vegan, vegan everywhere. And I just was like, it was beautiful. I loved it. I loved it. Anyway, I'm going to talk to William a little more about it. So I just wanted to say that. That was exciting. That was a few weeks ago. And my last podcast, I want to okay, this is where I want to sort of, my last podcast, I was really, really down. I've also been under a lot of stress or whatever. So, you know, you go through these ups and downs, but when I was, I met Emmy's mother and we went out for lunch because we came up, she, um, Emmy's doing um, animation and she came up to talk. anyway, when I told them about the, this, this person who had said to me, is it, is it okay to kill and, and eat the chickens? Emmy's mother gave me a totally different perspective that I never thought of. And she said to me, what if they really were seriously asking you not to go do, not to not to um whatever reaction you were having, which was a super negative kind of like persecuted, like I was being persecuted by this person reaction. She said, What if they really didn't know and they really thought you would know? And I had a little more think about it. And then I really want to thank Emmy's mum for um Christine for saying that to me because, you know, the person who asked me we haven't talked a lot in detail about veganism. And she knows that I am involved in thinking about these issues. So I really look back and I look at the way she asked me, and I'm like, you know what, she, I really do think now, I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm not going to go up to her and ask, but I really think that she actually was like whispering to me to find out if it's because in New Zealand, like I said, this person was not from New Zealand. Is its is it all right, is it legal to raise two chickens and then kill them and eat them? She wasn't trying to make, I mean, I don't think she was ever trying to make me upset. I got upset. But she really thought that I would be the person to ask because I would know about those things, because I know about these animal issues. And she was genuinely asking me as an a question about the legality of it and the and when she's meant, is it all right? She meant, can you do it in New Zealand? She really didn't know. And look at the way I reacted because my emotions just went at top notch and I couldn't see straight. So I've just really wanted to share that because when Amy's mom said that to me, I looked back on the situation and I was like, that is what was going on. And that's why it wasn't such a huge big deal. And when I was like, oh, just forget about it she kind of probably thought, oh, well, maybe she doesn't know or maybe she, I don't even know what she thought. She probably thought, oh, what's, you know, what's her problem? I don't know. But I look back and I'm like, this person who doesn't, you know, is not vegan and doesn't consider animals to be anything more than food or whatever, except for other certain, you know, the typical human being at the moment on the earth was really like wanting to know because the the, per, the person who had the chickens was like, I need somebody to look after my chickens, but I don't eat them because I, I just eat the eggs. And then she was asking me, you know, is it all right? Is it actually possible in New Zealand to do that? And so, you know, I could have definitely handled it differently no matter what, and no matter how I took it. But my last podcast, I said that I was going to say to her, could you repeat that? But I think what I really should have said was, are you serious? And I don't mean like sarcastically, like, are you serious? Like, how dare you? Like, like, are you seriously asking me that? I mean, do you really, you know, I needed to clarify. And I think that it's going to be something that I really have to work on because when somebody asks you something and your emotions rise up and you just react, it can just be, oh, it's just such a problem. And so, I was so taken aback by the question that I couldn't even just deal with my own emotional reaction to it. And like I say, it was a bad time, you know, you, you have these bad moments and you know, you you're, you go up and down, you know, maybe on a different week, I would have seen what she was actually doing and handled it differently. So it's not a matter of like beating myself up about it or whatever, but it's good experience because it just, I just want to be able to be more I just want to have my eyes more open and be more in tune and be less emotional and less inward about it. It's, you know, about my, how I'm feeling about what this person's asking me, you know? So, so there you go. I hope that that sort of cheers everybody up because I I was really upset (laughs) and I know that other people thought that the last podcast I did was really negative and I'm sorry about that. Um, other people said that they didn't feel that way. So, you know, there you go. Everybody's different. But, um, anyway, I was, I was very sad, you know, but, um, I am, um, I think that a lot of it has to do with stress and I I just feel like this whole summer is going to be great. So I just wanted to explain that. And like I said, this is really old news, but I've been so busy with exams. In fact, I still have two more exams left, but I'm almost done with it. So anyway, okay. So what was I going to talk about? Oh, right. That was related to that. So as I was thinking about this, this whole like, oh my goodness me, the girl was actually seriously like just asking a genuine question and I'm not saying that it's a good question, I mean, I'm not saying that I couldn't have used it to advocate for veganism, you know, I'm just saying that she was seriously, so I should have said, you know, I mean, shoulda, have, coulda, have, woulda, have, but I could have said, you know, are you serious, are you seriously asking me, you really want to know if it's legal here, oh, okay, well, if that's what you want to know, then yes, it is legal, um, <laughs> yeah, you could do anything you want, basically, to any non-human anywhere in the world, you know, pretty much, I mean, broadly speaking, I mean, come on, let's be real. Um, and then I got to thinking about that, and the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, let me look back, because what I've been trying to do is figure out, <laughs> it just, I just want to figure out why it took me so long to go vegan, like, why did it take me so long, you know, um, and you have these flashbacks, and I have to tell you about something that happened to me in New York when I was not vegan, and. And I'll just give and hopefully this will give us all some insight into we can't fathom it's almost like once you've woken up to it, it's really hard to remember what it was like to think any other way. It's really hard to deal with people defending animal exploitation, but here's an example of me, and you know I am totally and utterly fighting against my own speciesism, which is residual, I'm fighting against speciesism, I want animal use to end, I'm vegan, I am, you know, very much against animal exploitation, it took me a long, long time, so who was I before, so let me tell this story, it was, I was, I used to be a sound engineer, and I met this DJ when I was doing this other job, and he's got this, um, there's this, there's this place in New York called Dumbo, it's called Dumbo because it stands for directly under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. And it's just this really funky, now it's probably super high expensive, but back then, I mean, it was enormous warehouses and you could have these huge parties there. And he has a loft there and it's enormous loft um, because there's a garbage dump there. So, there's these kids like it's the undiscovered secret you know like Williamsburg was the undiscovered secret and then all of a sudden boom now it's been gentrified and nobody can afford to live there except for rich people from like you know Oregon or something (laughs) I'm just kidding Um, but now you know he had Dumbo so I don't know what's happening with Dumbo now but it was this enormous warehouse and he used to have these huge parties and he had this huge loft and it was just this really sort of you know, they kind of got away with it, I mean, the view was spectacular, they had all the space, I mean, it was unbelievable, but like I said, it was because there's a garbage, you know, dump in the neighborhood, and nobody had really heard about it, um, but like I say, right now, I bet you it's a real expensive place, because that's what happens, but he had this huge party, and he asked me to, like, help him out, and I was going to, like, help him out with sound and stuff like that, but anyway, he just invited me to come and hang out, and I remember I went there, and a lot of these parties, these sort of like DJ parties, like, you know, there's multiple DJs. And it was, like I say, in Dumbo, it's e- abandoned warehouses. I mean, you, oh, it's just crazy. Anybody who's been to Dumbo knows what I'm talking about. So the size of the place is huge. So they had, and like I said, this guy's quite a popular DJ and he kind of does it. He's like a multimedia guy and he's really into his it. It's a whole entertainment thing, you know. He's um, DJ Schism. So shout out DJ Schism anyway. And um, on the wall was an enormous multimedia screen of, um, to go along with the party and stuff that he was organizing. And you know how they do that. They have like, you know, they have movies and stuff in the background. And let me tell you, I didn't remember this until recently. Okay. I had said in my first podcast that the first time I ever saw any slaughter footage or anything like that was when I saw Pity the Pig, um, which is a video that Peter made like back in the eighties or seventies or whenever it was, maybe the eighties. And it was about pigs, specifically pigs. So, but I forgot I had seen something before. Oh, when I was at this party, I looked up on the screen, and they were showing. Maybe not everybody's seen it, but in hatcheries where the baby chicks are born, the hatcheries that go to the to the chicken um, egg, the egg industry right? Well, probably all the the chicken industries come from hatcheries. And they separate the males and the females at birth. They're newborn little tiny baby chicks. And what they do is, if you can remember any movie you've ever seen where there's conveyor belts, like no matter how old you are, or where you live, I'm sure that you've seen some kind of movie where there's a factory with these enormous conveyor belts and the people are like sorting stuff. Um, so it's like, you know, there's one conveyor belt for this and one conveyor belt for that. And you might, and there's all these objects on there and en mass, like hundreds of objects rolling down these conveyor belts and there are people sorting them and they're just going past them. And imagine that, but instead of like marbles or car parts, it's baby newborn chicks. Everybody's probably seen this, but there must. There might be some people who hasn't. Well, I certainly hadn't seen it. And let me tell you, I could not. Now, there's no blood. And as a non-vegan and as somebody who really had no idea and was eating a lot of eggs and continued to eat many, 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 many more. Okay. I looked at this stuff and I, I did a double take. And I mean, I don't know why DJ Schism was showing it. I have really not don't know much about him like I just had this couple of small kind of like get involved in what he was doing for a while but it just didn't really work out and that was it I don't really know him I don't know him I didn't really know him or anything um very well it was just like this sort of I was going to help out with the productions of these things that they were doing and it just never happened so I don't know if he's you know was an advocate I don't really know um it's certainly not a big part of his website or anything like that but I don't know if he was just showing it just for shock effect or what or just for being alternative or just to have something I just I don't know, but when you see that for the first time. And just so everybody knows, you know, without the corresponding information, this is what goes through your average person's mind. This is why advocacy is so important. The right advocacy is so important with these videos. Um, I was shocked. I looked up and I said, whoa, and I did double take because at first I thought they were pom-poms, you know, little pom-poms, right? Because of the way they were being, you know, processed. I mean, I could not fathom they were actually living animals you know and i looked up and that was it i was glued to it and it was the conveyor belts and i mean i'm talking like it's horrifying like these little babies are on these conveyor belts maybe like a meter wide and they're just thousands of them on top of each other and they get poured down like the way they would if they were marbles they get poured down through these like you know you know they go off the end of the conveyor belt and they get poured down onto the next conveyor belt just like they were like things. I mean, you know, as we know, this is, this is what, what happens. But when you, yeah. so anyway, sorry, I'm trying to keep focused. So I was, I watched it and now, now that I have this flashback, I mean, it's amazing how I blocked this out, isn't it? And I'm talking like, I just remembered this, you know, quite recently. And I was like, those are little baby chickens. And you know what? I could not believe the what, what was being done to them. And I didn't even know what was going on I just was like, I couldn't believe what the hell I was seeing. Now, obviously, now I know that that was a hatchery. They were separating the males and female chicks. The males would have been either ground up alive or suffocated in bags or poured. So there was two conveyor belts, and the people were picking up the chicks and throwing them to the appropriate conveyor belt. And I mean like handfuls, by the handful, real quick, these little newborn babies, this is what they were born into. And then there were throwing and I was watching them fall around tumbling down on top of each other over these like a waterfall like a waterfall of little baby chicks to the next conveyor belt to the next stage of processing on these machineries and these rollers these like these belts these belts and I could not believe what I was seeing, and it was really loud in there because it was this huge warehouse and it was all metal and concrete so the sound was terrible i mean i was like god turn it down you know i hate that but i couldn't i couldn't even talk to anybody and i didn't know anybody there i was feeling kind of awkward because i went there like to hang out like to try to like see if i could like work with this dj and you know i just was like and i'm very awkward in social situations and i was just, just standing there and nobody was talking to me and i wasn't talking to anybody and i was feeling all nervous because everybody was really cool and you know i used to have a really like inferiority complex and I'd, I'd always feel really awkward and you know i was always really shy and i was always too scared to go and talk to people so i'd standing like a big nerd in the corner and so anyway i had something to look at and i just couldn't and i kept looking around to see if there was anybody else watching it so this is what i was going through my mind i think i mean i can't go back in time but i was saying to myself oh that's just terrible you know what the hell is going on and i thought what are they you know what are they doing to those chickens that's absolutely horrible and i'm assuming it's from america the footage i would imagine it would be but it could be from anywhere really And I was thinking to myself, that's despicable, what you're doing to these little baby chickens. How can you treat chickens like that, you know? I had no, there was no connection in any way to the eggs. I might have only just stopped eating chicken flesh at that point, or maybe I even haven't. I can't remember what year it was, but it was at the beginning, and I can't even exactly remember when I went vegetarian, so... It was right around the time I went vegetarian before enough, but it had nothing to do with my going vegetarian, nothing to do with it. And I can't remember if I saw it afterwards or before, but I was still eating eggs anyway, so it's irrelevant. And I just it was like, that's disgusting. And I had no way related it to anything that I was doing. I did not think to myself, boy, um, any chicken products I buy must come from that. I thought it was a, an abomination. I thought that it was something that was had been caught and that didn't happen. I was like, this is like, you know, this – I didn't think to myself, oh, this is a normal part of, you know, chicken processing, because I didn't know. So I just looked at it as, I just didn't know what the hell I was looking at. And I didn't know, I never, ever made the connection between anything I was doing and what I was seeing on the screen. Um, But I did think it was horrible um, because they were little babies, you know, and, you know, just imagine the image. I mean, I I guess people have seen them because I haven't seen it since then, except for very briefly, because I don't watch things like that anymore. Um, because now I know. But at the time I wasn't even crying or upset or anything. You know, I was totally speechless. I was just going, Man, that's you know, that's crazy, you know? So there you go. I mean I hope that you're my point is if if I can go from that that complete disconnect, that complete and utter kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't shocked and like, oh, that's awful, but there was no blood. I didn't really, I didn't equate it with death. I didn't think, I was just more worried like, oh, they're going to get a little, you know, maybe they're going to get a leg broken or something. I had no idea that that was the least of their worries. I mean, that day of birth for the chickens is probably the least painful thing compared to all the rest of the horrible stuff they were going to go through. Right, I mean that—that that was the sort of the easy part for them, right? I mean, considering what comes next, yeah. So, but and I'm not saying I wasn't shocked. But yeah, it was just, and I was totally disconnected, and I just didn't even think twice. I mean, I—I I think I even—I think I even thought about it for a few days afterwards. Couldn't get the out of my head because I—I I couldn't fathom what I was seeing. I just was like, "What am I watching? What is this?" And um, I ended up leaving. Um, and just sort of going home because it was just getting to the point where I was just like, there's no point in me saying, like I say that there was a new video after that and it wasn't anything like that. And I just was like, kind of like, whoa. And I didn't even think I told anybody about it or what. I just was like, it was a total disconnect and I had no idea that this was normal. I had no idea that this had anything to do with anything that I was doing. I did not associate myself with that. And I was a huge consumer of eggs. And at that time, I can't really remember it was right. Maybe I was still eating chicken flesh. I mean, it doesn't matter. So, if, you know, if I can go from that, and I'm not saying that it had to take however many years it was. I'm saying that footage did shock me. And at that time, if that footage had, if somebody had had the guts or or somebody at the time had had the opportunity, I should say, to come up to me and say, what are you watching? And say, hey, do you eat eggs? You know, do you eat flesh? I mean, do you have any idea, you know, and telling me the truth about what I'm seeing and the fact that it's directly related to things that I'm doing, you know, I might have gone vegan a lot sooner. Well um, some people do take longer. I mean, it's not a magic bullet. I mean, you have to work. Everybody's different. Um, one of the people I really want to talk to about this is Timothy Putnam because he has some great things to say because people will say general statements about how the public is stupid and then I'll be like, it's indoctrination. But he made a really, really good comment. He understands um, these issues. I don't know if he's studied um, sociology as well like Roger Yates has, but I don't know. Um, he helps me understand a little bit more why we do these things, why this happens because I, I look at myself and I'm like, what? You know, I do think I would have gone vegan sooner if I had been given the information sooner. You know, I wasn't though. I was, I was showing this footage, this numbing footage of everyday normal processing. And I blew my mind. <laughs> but I never saw it again. And nobody told me what it was or said to me, you're responsible for that. And made me think about it. I couldn't relate it to anything, I didn't go home and look it up on the internet, I basically just sort of forgot about it, I mean, I was too busy worrying about my, whatever, how was I going to get home from, you know, Brooklyn on the trains, I probably lived up in, goodness knows where I lived, I always lived really far, so yeah, so I just wanted to share that as well, because that's another really important sort of epiphany and remembrance that I had, because I was, you know, I was just so devastated um, a couple of weeks ago and I just, I just said, you know, we, we got to remind ourselves, you know, we forget what it's like to not be vegan and not feel this way. And we can't, we must learn, remember our own experiences in order to reach people. Otherwise, we will just, we lose all possibility of communication because we can't deal with the fact that they're thinking that way and we forget, well, somebody like me forgets that less than three years ago, or has it been three years now, just about three years, almost three years, I I was that way. And not only that, but months before that, I'd seen horrific, horrific slaughter videos of pigs and dolphins and I still didn't get, you know, told, um, what I needed to be told, what I was told was, um, this is really, this is really abominable, I didn't, it didn't get related to me, and the actions that I was doing, that's why I always try to do that to people, I try to get people to talk about themselves, because they can talk about everything in the world, except for what they're doing, it's easy to talk about, um, like when we when we did the stall that day and this girl was talking about what if a what if there's a woman who has a cow who allows the cow to keep the baby and then the the baby's drinking the mother's milk and you just take some of the milk for yourself. Is that okay? Um well, she just made that up. She doesn't buy that she she goes to the supermarket and buys her milk from the cows that we were talking to her about. So I said if this mythical lady exists, you're not her so can we talk about you? But so that's, that's very important to do. I wish people had done that with me. Um, but there was not enough people around doing it. You know, there's still not enough people around doing it. So you have these things like somebody filming that footage was probably an ad- animal advocate. And, you know, I'm glad they filmed that footage and I'm glad they put it out there. And, you know, um, I'm not saying it wasn't effective. I'm just saying I was totally and utterly species and so disconnected. So disconnected that was me. So, you know, and I'm like totally and utterly fighting for animal rights is what I do for fun. So if I can come from that, anybody can. So please always try to remember it's not hopeless. Don't be worried about what the defeatists are saying. You know, remember and we are the minority right now, and so we have a huge battle, we're the pioneers, this is just, this is just a tough luck, you know, just suck it up, <laughs> Elizabeth, I'm talking to myself here, so anyway, I hope i makes making sense today, and um, so that brings me on to, and this is kind of like late, because this is really old news, um, <laughs> but it's still relevant, and I can't like you know write about this stuff or or talk about this stuff until I have time, so I finally have time to talk about Lady gaga's meat dress, and um there was all kinds of really great stuff written about it, and a lot of my fellow advocates wrote some great stuff and i copied and pasted their work you know it takes a second you know but what I want to say about it is because I saw the Ellen clip uh she was on Ellen DeGeneres um talk show and she wore the dress and the truth is that there is no difference between you know flesh and leather and you know people were so upset about the meat dress they found it so grossly offensive but then people who eat meat were grossly offended by the by the dress I remember Ellen said um oh, well, I'm vegan, and then Lady Gaga was like, oh, theatrical, like, whoops, faux pas, and, you know, la, 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 and then they made a big joke about it, and then Ellen gave her a lettuce dress made by Peter, and was like, next time, can you wear this, and it was all very comical, and very soft, and, and I was like, yeah, but see, what got to me was, Lady Gaga said, I, you know, it was a personal protest against oppression, oppression of gays, and you know, freedom of speech, of gay rights and stuff. And she said, I'm not a piece of me. And that was her point of wearing the dress. She's like, I'm not trying to offend people. You know, this is a political statement. And my thought was, you know, um, I wish that I had had a chance to talk to Lady Gaga and say, you know, wearing the bodies of oppressed, slaughtered beings in order to further a message, you know, that oppression is wrong is just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, it's like um, you're participating and showcasing this oppression. Um, you know, there's no need to sort of, the animals, it's not the animals' fault that gay people are being oppressed. So, you know, don't, uh, participate in their slaughter in order to prove your point. I mean, that's, that's, you're an oppressor. So you're being so incredibly hypocritical. It's just an astonishing level of hypocrisy and, and moral confusion and, and moral schizophrenia is, is um, as we often say, without in any way referring to the um, clinical schizophrenia that uh, people do suffer from, is not in any way meant to allude to that. It's just, just a way of just divide. Well, it's like a schism, as we we would say, right? Between our actions and our claimed and our words. But so she—that's that, the bit that got me. I'm like, there's a bunch of analogies you could come up with. Like, you could go around punching a woman in the face to say, you know, I'm against gay bashing. And I don't, I don't know, that doesn't work. But it's just, it just was very strange to me. So I wish somebody had pointed it out to her and kind of said, um, it's unnecessary and hypocritical to exploit somebody to prove your point that exploitation is wrong. Now, of course, Lady Gaga doesn't think the animals are exploited. She thinks that they're there to be used. And she's Probably just the way I used to be, and she just thought it was, you know, and it's a shock value or whatever. And she doesn't care. She eats meat. Maybe she touches meat all the time. I mean, if you eat meat, you touch it all the time. Um, you know. But it just that was what got to me. I'm like, that's just very, very um, inconsistent, to say the least. You know, uh, my statement against oppression is going to be in the form in the form of total and utter oppression it's kind of like yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense and that's what I would like to have said to her sort of to hopefully make her realize that you know this. um you're not a piece of meat well neither were they um they were not pieces of meat either um any more than you are and in fact we could skin you up and shred you up and your flesh would look just like theirs and we could make a dress out of you because you are actually made out of flesh too um but the sort of Political statement you're making, I'm not a piece of meat. Well, neither are they. That's the point. They are living sentient beings who just happen to be made out of flesh, just like us. The fact that we make them pieces of meat is oppression. Just like oppressing gay people is wrong, and oppressing women is wrong, and oppressing other races is wrong, is based on species is wrong, and you know, that's what got me about that whole thing. I'm like, that was her justification for it. I'm kind of like, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, way to go, you know, I hope you never sort of want to, you know, please try not to make any more statements about any oppression again, I don't know what other innocents are going to be, you know, dragged into it and oppressed so that you can make your statement against oppression, um, so yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that old news, but never mind, um, and I just want to finish off by saying that, um, I have, now that I feel free from school and I don't have to worry about homework or anything so I just want a job to pay the bills and then all the rest of my time the summer is when I want to like really make my make it happen more and more. I want to be at more things. I want now that I've seen this festival and and now that I get a little more idea of how these things work, I would have had so much room for my stall. Um, because I would have had, um, a whole three or two walls where I could put an up because you have like this allocated stall. Like, I don't know if it's going to be the same next year, but anyway, so I'm definitely keen to do more of these things. There's so much stuff to plan and stuff like that, but I really am excited about, about, about the, the future because now I really feel like I've, I've got my degree and, you know, it's, it's, it's done and, um, and once I get a, a like a permanent job and I can sort of relax and I don't have to like I just actually have a job, which is not an easy thing to do and I'm a little bit nervous about it because it's very hard, especially in New Zealand, it's so small here and and of course I'm don't want to work in any sort of animal exploitation, which is very common, so it's hard, you know, hard to find a job, but um, once I do that, I, I'm going to get a, ve- a vehicle, and I swore off, I swear I was never going to get one until I, until I could get an electric car, and obviously electric cars would have to be cheap enough for me to buy one, but because I just hate the thought of buying oil, even though I, I already contribute to the oil industry by plastics and stuff, and oh, just, oh, and it's another thing I wanted to just briefly mention, there was an incredible article written about the knowledge of all of our actions having you know an effect, and a lot of people accuse vegans of not realizing that well it 's not true at all; we know we know about all of it, and we want it to stop, and we 're willing to do whatever it takes um, to stop it and we try to do it as much as we can. We try not to do stuff that other people do without thinking and if we all did that collectively, then it would start to stop. you know um, there are some things that are out of our control, like if i want to if I want to eat. Um, Period. If I want to just feed myself and live, you know, I whether I like it or not, I'm contributing to probably environmental destruction, to put it mildly. And um, you know, I try I buy fair trade and stuff when I can, but I, there's switch shops and you know, you, you got to know about these things. Anyway, I'm going to post a uh, post a link to this blog. It's on the Vegan Salt blog, and it was a guest blogger, so please read the article. Um, because that, that relates to um, my whole car issue, but anyway, I'm going to get a car, because then I can really make stuff happen, because I have all the stuff i got to carry around, you know, I mean, it's just the way it is, and especially if I want to do food stuff, I mean, I can't carry it all on the bus, you know, I just can't, so that's my plans, I I really am excited about really getting some real grassroots stuff going on. And there's stuff happening all over the world. It's unbelievable. Gentle World do amazing stuff. There's, they do this huge food festival. They have um, all this amazing vegan food. And there are um, there's Boston Vegan Association. I saw some of the stuff that they were doing. I mean, basically... The stuff that I want to do is nothing new. It's what animal advocates all over the world do every day. It's just that I want to do abolitionist education i want to hand out abolitionist materials i don't want to have anything to do with the big groups and that's the difference because right now there's so li- there's so few of us so it's just me on the bus and william who's been my rock you know like he's just always been there so hey if it's just the two of us if we have a car then we can do all the stuff that we want to do we don't need you know um we don't need um you know it's you know we don't have a lot of people but i'm not going to you know look uh <sighs> I'm not going to do that other... I'm not going to do that other stuff just so that I can do... You know, I'm different. I, I know that if I was willing to compromise on my ethics, I could join in so much stuff that's already pre-organized by very experienced people who have a lot of money and a lot of resources, and they have all the contacts, and they know when all the stuff's happening, and they know all the dates, and they have all this stuff, but it's all welfare promotion. I'm not going to do it, man. So I'm going to start, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, <laughs> which is evolutionist education. So I'm trying to figure it all out on my own, um, and, um, and I learned from watching other people, like, you know, tabling is not something that I invented, people have been doing it for decades it's just that I only want to give out abolitionist information I want to talk about ending animal use I want to talk about veganism only veganism as the solution as the moral baseline that's the only difference the actual sort of ideas of advocacy they are you know I learned from watching other people do stuff I mean I'm not it's not I'm not a genius you know you know I've seen I've seen you know what these other people do online and stuff you know one thing I don't agree with is shouting at people. I think that's pretty stupid, but I'm definitely going to be doing that. But anyway, so, you know, I want to do all this stuff, you know, and um, I need a vehicle, so I have all these plans, and um, I would definitely really want to do the Vegetarian Festival next year because, or well, you know, even if I just need to pay – for the space and just get my stuff there. If they just provide the space for you and you can just put up all your posters and you can be there all day and you can get the word out. And, um, it's a very, um, welcoming atmosphere there because it's not controlled by, it's not controlled. Like animal conferences that are run by welfare groups, that's a different story. I don't know if I'd go to that. Uh, there's different, you know, I want to go to more public events where there's not run by welfare who are opposed, are opposed to abolition because um, I'm not interested in going to AR conferences and listening to people talk about their latest um, battery cage campaign. I'm just, sorry, I'm just not interested. Uh, I want to be at the public festivals where there's... Um, all kinds of stuff going on and I can have this table and people can come up and say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, and I can be like, here, here's some food for thought Um, or some real food, some actual food. I mean, I I need to learn my baking skills. So this, it's such an exciting time. I feel like I've been let out of school. Oh, I have. Yay. So anyway, it's all very slow because I need to get a vehicle and la la la. But at the very least, even before I get my car, we're still going to be doing our tabling. I haven't been doing it recently, for many reasons, um, because a lot of it's to do with my job as well, and I, I need a job where I don't work weekends. But I can be at that table any time. So even if I get a job where I work weekends and I don't have to do anything during the week, or there's certain days off during the week where I don't have to do homework and worry about assignments and stuff, I can do my table then. You know, it doesn't have to be Saturday. It's just I would like to, I like doing it with William. And if I do it during the week, I won't be able to with him because he's got school. But that's okay. So anyway, all these plans happening, and there's like I was. There's so many people around the world doing this stuff. And, you know, it's basically just getting enough people together who are willing to sort of help you just like any other, you know, any other social movement, any other advocacy that gets done around the world is done by volunteers who spend their time, who enjoy doing it, who have their resources. But this advocacy is, it's animal rights. And, um, but the ideas I get from all over the place and I don't claim them as my own. Um, and we do come up with some new, some new ideas, but, you know, I mean, handing out information, having having a table, you know, going to events. I mean, we didn't make it up. We just advocate what we advocate, and because there's so few of us doing it, and because we're just starting, it's a little harder for us to get it going because we need to sort of get all that stuff going. Um, but once we you know, once we be able to start doing it and more people can do it more and more, I mean, it doesn't take, all you need is somebody willing to do it. And I did my table by myself in the beginning and I still reached people. People came up and talked to me. So, and I still had the message out there, you know, the animals had a voice out there, you know, um, about ending use, you know, that, that voice was out there. That's very, very important. I feel like it is very important work. Um, but also online advocacy is, is very, very effective. I'm not going to say that one is better than the other, but I'm very excited about the coming summer. And at the very least, we're going to have our stall, um, just even the little one, because AOTS Square is finished. They took the wall down, but it's finished. It's beautiful there. And I've seen it. I've been scouting it because when I go to school and stuff, I right opposite. And I'm like, yeah, I know what we're going to do. And I think, I'm going to try to get away with sticking the, there's a big tree where we used to sit under. We want to sit under there because it's not blocking the walkway and we can put out um, some of my posters. We can maybe blue tack them, which is like this, it's like this, um, sort of, a. I don't know if there's an equivalent. It's a, it's not glue. It's plastic. See, there you go. Oil industry again, right? Um, and it sticks stuff together, but then you can peel it off and reuse it again. And I have it all to my posters and I can stick them to the tree trunk. And then if the council comes along and complains, I can just take them off right in front of them and say, if you don't want me sticking them to the tree trunks or whatever, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get like a big piece of cardboard and stuff, but you know, I'm going to give it a go. Um, I'm very polite and you know, I smile and you know, there's ways to, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to get down on your hands and knees, but you can, you can smile. And then sometimes they're nice to you. And like, I forgot my license one day and the security guard came along and I didn't have my license and he said, oh, and I was like, I forgot it. And he was very nice about it, and he let me stay there, even though he legally had the right to tell me to leave, although I guess I could have invoked the Human Rights Act, and caused a big fuss, but I didn't have to, because I smiled, and I explained that I did have a license, and I just happened to forget it that day, as we're only human, and he, he saw that it was genuine, and he said, okay, no problem, so there you go, so I hope that that was, um, useful, and, uh, I will be definitely be to have lots more to talk about once I start doing more stuff but I don't know when it's going to happen. In the meantime, um it's just going to be the same stuff as always, just life, just the usual. And um it's amazing how good I feel now that I'm done with I mean I have two exams left but they're written exams so they're just I don't feel stressed about them at all. And I can't wait to get back out there. And um I hope to have more guests on soon and There's all kinds of stuff always going on, and you know, there's really some fantastic. You know, the (laughs) word the the tide is turning. There's there's just some great stuff happening. If you got your ears and eyes open, you start to see it. Um, Some of these guys in Britain got their story published, and um, about animal use. You know, an abolitionist message. You know, uh, in a more mainstream you know, sight, I mean, the dialogue is changing, I know that sounds so lame, you know, people who are like, like, where's the revolution, well, this is it, um, if it's not exciting enough for you, try to, it's pretty exciting to me, it's pretty exciting to me, I gotta tell you that much, remember what we're dealing with, remember who we're doing it for, and, um, you know, uh, I think it's, it's, um, There's been some really wonderful, wonderful developments happening. Okay, so I'll be back soon. Bye.